Okay, guys, welcome to another Jesus Rant. Pastor Tom Carter, Word Without Walls Ministry. This is Season 3, Episode 17, Seek and Find. And I think there's a really important biblical, spiritual, Christian, Jesus truth here where a lot of times, I don't know, it's like we get confused where we don't know kind of like the difference between work and rest and we kind of kind of sometimes do the wrong things in the wrong way and we're expecting something to happen or hoping something that will happen or wishing that something will happen and so today I just want to spend some time and I want to I want to read one of my uh, I want to read a big chunk of one of my favorite verses or I'm sorry my favorite books of the Bible my favorite passages in the Bible and uh, I want to hopefully help us to see the difference between a little bit of the difference between works and labor, which do not work spiritually speaking. I'm not talking about you know natural work. I always go back to the the Bible saying uh, the Apostle Paul writing, "If you don't work, you don't eat. Like you can't you can't depend on somebody else to take care of you all the time. You can depend on your heavenly Father to take care of you, but He takes care of us. For example, uh, I believe that my Heavenly Father takes care of me and my son by giving me the opportunity and the ability to work, to make money, to provide for me and my son. Like to me, that's, you know, people say God works in mysterious ways, but that's not that mysterious to me. You know, uh, a lot of people don't necessarily always agree with this, but you work for a living. Like that's what you do. You, you, you be a productive member of society. You, uh, you know, it gives you a purpose. It gives you um, a, a, a sense of accomplishment and pride because you're you're taking care of business, so to speak. But that doesn't work in the spiritual realm. In the spiritual realm, it's even when we're talking about seeking and finding, we're not coming to it from a place of trying to get something that we don't have. And that's why spiritually speaking, it's all about rest. It's all about doing what you do from a posture and a position of rest where you understand that I have no lack because my God has no lack. He has given me everything that I need. And so I don't need to get it. I just need to explore it. When, when, when Jesus talked about, you know, seek ye first the kingdom and his righteousness, and then all these things will be added unto you. I don't think he was saying seek the kingdom to get it as if you don't have it, but you need it. I think he was saying you have the kingdom, seek it, explore it, see what's in there, see what's available to you. I've given it all to you. Now you just simply have to fight the good fight of faith, which is laying hold of the gift that we've been given. And then you can begin to enjoy the gift that you've been given by giving it away, by sharing it, by using it. So in Proverbs chapter 25, verse 2, the Bible says, It is God's privilege to conceal things and the king's privilege to discover them. I don't know why. I mean, I guess I, I, I can speculate on why God wanted to conceal some of these things. The Bible talks a lot about the mysteries concealed uh, from, from the old times and all these different things. But it always then talks about how all of these things were revealed in the place and in the person and in the time of Jesus. Jesus is the one who really uh, not only shows us these mysteries or the, you know, the, the, 
the conclusion to these mysteries, but he is the conclusion to the mystery. He is God revealed to us. I always, again, I always come back to Jesus telling Philip, if you've seen me, you've seen the father. Jesus showed us who God is by showing us a man like as we are, who was filled with love. Because that's all it is. It's God in the flesh, love in a body. God in our flesh, love in our body. And that's where I believe that God concealed these things. He concealed them in us. So when it's our privilege to discover these things, it's not that we have to go externally. We don't have to go outside of ourselves. We don't have to find something that we don't have or that we're lacking or that we need. But it's for us to look inside and see the heart of God beating with love in our chests. First Peter chapter 3, verse 4, and the King James Version reads, But let it be the hidden man of the heart, in that which is not corruptible, even the ornament of a meek and quiet spirit, which is in the sight of God of great price. The thing that's hidden is the hidden man of the heart. It's God's heart in us. It's God in our flesh. It's love in our body. And the reason that it's hidden in there is because we have to let it out. And we let it out by knowing and believing that it's in there. We let it out by seeking it and finding it where it is. We let it out by filling ourselves to overflowing with what God has already filled us with. We love because he first loved us, right? Love is giving, and you can't give what you don't have. You can only give what you do have. So you have to first have something to give, and then you can release it. That's why the divine order of things is to know and believe. You know God loves you. Faith comes from hearing and hearing from the word of God or the word of Christ or the word about Christ, which is Jesus, the word of God. Faith comes from hearing, hearing that still small voice deep inside of you that says, I love you with every beat of God's heart in your chest. And that's why the ornament of a meek and quiet spirit is of is in the sight of God of great price, because you need to be still and know that he is God. You need to have a meek and quiet spirit. You have to know that this is coming out of you, but it's not necessarily coming from you. It's coming from God. He gives us everything that we have, everything that we are, and everything that we need so that we can give it to others who may not know that God has given it to them. Because that's all we're really doing is turning on the light and showing people the divine order of things. We're showing people how things really are. We're showing that like... like like my idea of salvation, and you know, you, this probably won't surprise very many people, and I don't really want to take a lot of time on this right now. I may do a rant on it later on, but my idea of salvation is not that we're saving people from fill in the blank. My idea of salvation is that we're turning on the light and telling people that 2,000 years ago on an old rugged cross, Jesus saved them. I can't save you. It's the same thing with uh, uh, with conviction. I can convict you of things, but unless your own heart convicts you, unless the Holy Spirit convicts you, you're not going to change. Because who cares what I say, right? And maybe in some limited capacity, I may be able to scare you into some semblance of behavior modification, but it's not real and it doesn't last. And all that strict parents produce is sneaky kids. All a strict parent does is teach his kid how to lie and how to trick his parent and how to stay out of trouble so that his parent seemingly doesn't know what he's doing. And I'll tell you what, when I had a kid, 
and he started to try to pull some scams on me, I started to realize real quick how stupid it was when I tried to trick my parents. Like, they know. they Parents know. Parents know their kids. I'm not saying they know every single thing, but they know what's going on a lot of times. Like, when... <laughs> it, it, we're hard to fool. Like... Like when my kid thinks he's sneaky, but he's not. And I don't want him to be sneaky. Like I'm not trying to be strict with him. I'm not trying to crush him down. I'm trying to let him be who he is. But I'm also trying to lead him and guide him and direct him and protect him and nudge him this way and nudge him that way. Keep him on the straight and narrow path when he starts to go one way or the other. But again, it's this it's it's the hidden man of the heart. And you hear him, you you know him with that still small voice of God. That all makes sense, right? You 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 be still, and you know that He is God. You hear His still small voice because you have a meek and quiet spirit. It's the hidden man of the heart. That's what it was God's privilege to conceal, and where it was His privilege to conceal it. And it's the King's privilege to discover those things. And we are the King, right? Jesus is the King of Kings, and we are kings and priests in this heavenly uh, priesthood that we are in right now on this earth in the days of heaven on earth so he's the king i mean i'm sorry we're the king and he's the king of kings so he hid it and he's helping us find it because it was his privilege to conceal it and really it's his privilege to discover it i talk a lot about uh it's in the uh, uh one of the gospel no one of the books of john i'm sorry where he talks about you know it says something along the lines of we are sons of god right now but we don't know it because we don't know him as he truly is. But when he appears, we will be like him because we will see him as he truly is. And a lot of people point to his second coming or whatever else. And I've already talked about that quite a bit. But just to say, I believe God appears to us every day, all of the time. Anytime love shines its light in your life, that's God appearing. That's even what happened the first time he spoke. And the only thing he ever said was, let there be light. So that's... That's how he operates. That's how he helps us to discover these things that he has concealed. He reveals them to us. So let me read my passage in Jeremiah 29. Then I have a cool story about this. When when my son was a baby and we were dedicating him to the church, our church didn't do uh, you know baby baptisms, but we did baby dedications. So we dedicated Logan to the church. And the funny part of this story is that right before we were supposed to take him up on on the stage and uh, let my pastor hold him and pray over him and all that stuff, Logan pooped his pants. He thought that was the time to just let it go. So he smelled so bad during that whole thing. And like we tried to tell Pastor Eric and apologize and like and he's like, Oh, it's fine, that's what babies do. And you know, it was fine, but it was just funny, like like he he soiled himself like right when it was time for him to be dedicated to the church. So I always thought that was a funny story. But before that whole uh, ceremony took place, I was preaching the early morning service that same Sunday. And Pastor Eric had gotten Logan a Bible for his dedication. And I asked him to write a verse in it, you know, like a, 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 a verse for Logan. So Pastor Eric said he would, and he, he took the Bible back and he, you know, meditated on it a little bit. And then he wrote a verse in it. And I didn't know what he had written in it because by the time all that happened, it was time for me to go up and preach. And I went up and I preached a message about Jeremiah 29, 11, which you can probably guess is one of my favorite memory verses. And we're going to read it here in a minute. But when I was preaching and when I got to that part and when I started preaching that verse, I saw Pastor Eric just light up and start smiling. And I was like, okay, that's cool. I'm glad he's enjoying this. That's always nice. 
But then afterwards, when he gave me Logan's Bible back and he showed me the verse, that was the verse he had picked out for Logan. That's what he had written in the Bible was Jeremiah 29, 11. And he had written the whole verse out and everything. And it was just like, like it was confirmation of, of what it was supposed to be at that time in that place. And then, you know, Logan went out to, to poop his diaper when, when he was being held by every, everybody and, and celebrated and everything. So it was a great day. It was a funny day. But uh, let me get into this. Let me read this verse. I want to read Jeremiah 29, verses 4 through 14. And it reads, This is what the Lord of heaven's armies, the God of Israel, says to all the captives he has exiled to Babylon from Jerusalem. That's an important part of the story to put it into context. Because a lot of times we feel like we've been exiled. A lot of times, well, at least I do. I feel like a stranger in a strange place. I feel like I don't fit in, especially with society the way it is now. A lot of times I feel like Steve Rogers, man. Like I fell asleep in the 50s and I woke up now and I don't understand this world at all. Like it's so foreign to me and it doesn't make any sense to me. And I'm trying to do the best I can, but I, I feel out of place a lot of times. But here's what it says. This is what the Lord of heaven's armies, the God of Israel, says to all the captives he has exiled to Babylon from Jerusalem. Build homes and plan to stay. Plant gardens and eat the food they produce. Marry and have children. Then find spouses for them so that you may have many grandchildren. Multiply. Do not dwindle away. And work for the peace and prosperity of the city where I sent you into exile. Pray to the Lord for it, for its welfare will determine your welfare. There's so much to be said here about doing the best you can with what you have wherever you are it, it you, you can you can love people no matter where you're at because there's people around you can shine your light no matter where you're at because people need it it doesn't matter if you're at work all the time it doesn't matter if you know whatever if you work from home and you have very limited contact with people you can still pour yourself into those people and especially if you have a child like one of one, one of my one of my i guess like mottos in life is is what Mother Teresa said when she said, if you want to change the world, go home and love your family. Because that's where it starts. And that's where you can have the most influence. Just be where you're at. We're always like, it's like, we're always like trapped by the past and afraid of the future. And we're always trying to get out of one and get to the other one. And we're rushing, rushing, rushing. And, you know, especially with cell phones, we, we lose so many of the, the, the magical moments that we're just supposed to feel and experience instead of looking at through a screen. But it's like we've lost the ability to just kind of be where we are. And I'm not saying you shouldn't, you know, plan for the future. We're going to talk about that in just a second. That's a big part of what this is about. But a, a, a big way to plan for the future is to take care of today. The Bible talks in another place about how, you know, tomorrow's troubles are for tomorrow. You have enough for today. Just do today. Do what you can do where you're at right now. That's the best you can do, and that's the most that you can do. And that was what literally what God was telling the people who were exiled into a foreign land. He's like, you're here. You're going to be here for a while. Do what you can do here. Do what you can do now. And not only that, but pray for the prosperity of this city where you've been sent into exile. You know, uh, we, we always talk about uh, the Bible talking about praying for your leaders. And that that's become even kind of weaponized in this day and age where everything is weaponized and everybody wants to fight about everything. But we should be praying for our leaders because they need all the help they can get, no matter which side of the aisle you're on, no matter which, you know, no matter what you think about any of that stuff. All of our leaders 
need help from the Lord because he is the one who can actually make things better. So it says in verse 8, This is what the Lord of heaven's armies, the God of Israel, says. Do not let your prophets and fortune tellers who are with you in the land of Babylon trick you. Do not listen to their dreams because they are telling you lies in my name. I have not sent them, says the Lord. This is what the Lord says. You will be in Babylon for 70 years, but then I will come and do for you all the good things I have promised, and I will bring you home again. I always say this, and, and people never really want to talk about this too much, but I think God sees things very, very differently than human sees things. I think, you know, when the Bible says a, a, a day to the Lord is like a thousand years and a thousand years is like a day. Like, I don't think he sees time the same way we do. I don't think he sees death the same way we do. I don't even think he sees life the same way we do because Jesus came preaching about life and that more abundantly. And people didn't know what he was talking about. People didn't get it. Like we think, well, a better life means more money. And I'm not saying that more money wouldn't in some ways help me have a better life, but that's not what life is all about. The thing that makes the abundant life abundant is love. If you have a life full of love, you have a full life. You have everything you need. So for God to say, you're going to be here for 70 years, that sounds like a, a, an eternity. That sounds like a lifetime. But he's like, don't worry about it. I'm going to come and I'm going to do all the good things I promised and I'll bring you home again. This is not forever. He's like, do what you can right now, but it's not forever. Do the best you can. Make it the best that you can make it. But know that I'm coming for you and I'm going to bring you home. And then we get to the famous Jeremiah 29, 11. This is, again, this is the Lord speaking. He says, For I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord. They are plans for good and not for disaster, to give you a future and a hope. That was the verse that Pastor Eric wrote in Logan's Bible. That was the verse that was in my heart already to preach that day. That was my the verse that was in my heart to preach today. Because when we're talking about seeking and finding, we have to understand that the thing that we're seeking, God's heart, which, again, is hidden in our chests, it's worth the effort. It's worth seeking. It's worth finding. It's worth uh, enduring for. Because it's it, it, the plans that he have are for good and not for disaster. To give us a future and a hope. It goes on in verse 12 and it says, In those days when you pray, I will listen. Here we go. Ready? If you look for me wholeheartedly, you will find me. I will be found by you, says the Lord. I will end your captivity and restore your fortunes. I will gather you out of the nations where I sent you and will bring you home again to your own land. The key here is seeking and finding. The key here is looking for the Lord wholeheartedly. And I always say that we should do everything we do heartily to the best of our abilities because it's in our heart to do it. Otherwise, it's not going to, I mean, who cares? If you have to beg someone for something, even if you get it, it's not worth it because they're not doing it out of the goodness of their heart. They're doing it out of a, you know, guilt or a sense of obligation or whatever. And I don't want anything to do with any of that. I want the things in my life to be good and pure. I want the people in my life to do things because they want to do them, not because I, whatever, guilt them into it. And Logan talks a lot about, because I ask him to do stuff. Like I'll ask him, I'm like, I'm like hey kid, will you go grab me a whatever grab me grab me a water bottle grab me a pop whatever and a lot of times he's like oh you're so lazy and i'm like well okay well 
you know, my knees hurt and you have young legs, so can you help a brother out? And then I told him, when you do things for people, it's a labor of love. And then he, using his Logan logic, he took those letters LOL and he turned it into a labor of laziness. But I know that he does those things because he loves me. And that should be our motivation. When you love somebody, you want to do things for them. You want to help them. It's not just a labor of laziness, but it truly is a labor of love. So here's the key. Matthew chapter 7, verse 7. Keep on asking, and you will receive what you ask for. Keep on seeking, and you will find. Keep on knocking, and the door will be opened to you. Perseverance. Long-suffering. Patience. Being able to see past this snapshot mentality that we have, this microwave mentality that we have, where we think, it's so funny, it's like, we think whatever is happening right now has always been and will always be, even though that's nonsense because life changes so much. If it's not changing, it's dying. Like change is life. Change is growth. Things are not how they used to be. Even, you know, from minute to minute, things are always changing and changing rapidly. So we have to be able to persevere. We have to be able to understand that Rome wasn't built in a day. Sometimes it takes time. Sometimes you build for 70 years in a, in a foreign city, and then God comes in and takes you home to your city, which is even better. So you didn't waste your time building because like it said, like the welfare of that city is your welfare. If you can make things better where you are, like I equate this to work. If I can make things better at work, even when I leave, you know, hopefully things will be a little bit better. And hopefully that'll be a snowball that will continue to roll and continue to grow and, you know, people will pay it forward and people will be able to uh, enjoy a better quality of life. Jesus was all about improving quality of life, even so much as turning water into wine to keep a party going. Like he wasn't against us having a good time. He wants us to have a good time. He wants us to be happy. He doesn't have thoughts of evil towards us or thoughts of destruction towards us. He has thoughts of peace. He knows the thoughts that he thinks towards us. They're very purposeful thoughts. But we have to knock and keep knocking. We have to, excuse me, we have to seek and keep on seeking. And then we will find. Ask and keep on asking. And, and you know, the Bible says in another place that God will give you more than you could ask or even think. Because he knows what we really need. And he wants to lavish us with himself, with his love, with his spirit, with his life. I told somebody just the other day, I was like, you know what you need? You need to be clobbered with affection right now. Like you, like God wants to overwhelm us with all of these good things that he wants us to have. Well, really all of these good things that he's already given us. He wants to overwhelm us with himself to the point that we're so caught up in him that there's nothing else. It's a consuming fire that burns away everything except itself and leaves only himself, his love for us. So let me read my last passage here and then we'll close up for today. It's Proverbs chapter 3 verses 5 through 10. And it reads, trust in the Lord with all your heart. Do not depend on your own understanding. Seek his will in all you do and he will show you which path to take. We trust in him. We seek his will and he finds us. Even though, you know, we're not lost from his perspective. He's always known where we are. 
but he finds us so that we can know ourselves. He shows us which path to take. He knows the thoughts that he thinks for us. He knows the best thing for us and the best way for us to get to that thing. It says, don't be impressed with your own wisdom. Instead, fear the Lord and turn away from evil. Then you will have healing for your body and strength for your bones. Honor the Lord with your wealth and with the best part of everything you produce. Then he will fill your barns with grain and your vats will overflow with good wine. When you give, it will be given unto you, right? Shaken down, pressed together, overflowing. God always gives us abundance because he gives us out of his abundance. When we seek and keep seeking, to me, that doesn't mean look and look and look until you finally find what you're looking for. It means seek and you'll find and then seek more and you'll find more and then seek more and you'll find more. Like there's this idea, uh, there's this story in the Bible where Jesus is talking to the uh, the disciples, the, the fishermen who he chose as disciples. And first he's preaching on the on, on the shore next to the, the lake and the people are like, getting too close to him and they're going to crush him. So he gets in the boat and they're still even pressing further. And he keeps telling the disciples, move out a little further, move out a little bit further. Let's go a little bit further. And that's how I think it is a lot of times, spiritually speaking, where the spirit of truth, which leads and guides us into all truth, it takes us a step at a time. It takes us a little bit at a time. Like God knows that this maturation process is a process. He knows that this everlasting, abundant, eternal resurrection life of love is a never-ending journey into the heart of the matter, which is the heart. It's the heart of God beating in our chest. That's what was hidden, and that's what we need to seek and find. So when we're starting from there, when it says, you know, keep on asking, it do, I don't think it means ask for the same thing over and over again and hope you'll get it. I think it means ask for something, get it, use it. And then ask for something else. It's like when, when you have a dream and then you accomplish that dream. And then you set a new dream or a new goal. And you move on to the next thing. It's step by step. You build these things. And that's what this life is. It's The Bible has another passage. It talks about adding things. It talks about like add to your faith. You know, I, I, I don't have it memorized. But if, if I looked it up, it's something along the lines of like, Add to your faith, goodness, and to your goodness, it's just like adding one virtue after another, because that's how this works. And, and you really have to sometimes focus on the things that, you know, are hard for you. I don't want to say the things you don't have, because I believe that we have them. I believe we all have patience. I believe we all have all of the things that God wants for us because he gave them to us. But it's like a muscle. If you don't use it, it will atrophy. You have to exercise your muscles so they get stronger. You have to use your patience when you find yourself in a situation that requires patience. Remember when we talked about quote unquote human nature and the excuse of, well, I'm just a human. Well, it's just my nature. I don't think that's an excuse. You can't just say, well, I'm not a very patient person, so I'm just going to fly off the handle when something goes wrong. No, when something goes wrong, that's when you have an opportunity to use your patience, to grow your patience, to, uh, uh, to, to have more patience. So when it says ask and keep asking, I don't think God wants you to beg and beg and beg for the same thing. When it says, you know, uh, keep on seeking and you will find, I think it's, I'm seeking, I found. Now I'm going to seek more and find more. Now I'm going to seek more and find more. 
it's a it's a journey of uh of maturation really it, i mean it really is because we are who we need to be we just need to know what that means and how to enjoy being who we are how to embrace who we are instead of trying to be somebody we're not i'm so tired of people thinking they're not good enough and trying to be somebody they're not it drives me crazy i'm like no you're complete in him you are fearfully and wonderfully made you don't need to be somebody you're not. You just need to know who you really are. And the only way we can know who we really are is by knowing who Jesus really is. Because that's, again, the hidden man of the heart. God hid himself in us so that we could find him in ourselves when we look within ourselves. When we seek him wholeheartedly, we seek his heart, which is in our heart. It's in our chest. We look within instead of looking without. He knows the thoughts that he thinks towards us, and we have the mind of Christ. So we can know those same thoughts, and we can think those same thoughts, and we can use those same thoughts. Everything has been given to us. We have it. It's not about seeking something you don't have and hoping that you find it. It's about seeking what you do have, exploring what you do have, finding what you do have, using what you do have, and then exploring it more. The height and depth and breadth and length of God's love for us. We test it by using it, by loving each other bigger and harder and stronger than we ever thought that we could. And that's what this life is for. And that's how this life works. So thank you guys, as always, for all the support and helping me get this word out. You guys know that's that's the whole point of this ministry, Word Without Walls, is to just get the word out there and to make it available. And I couldn't do it without you guys. So uh, I think I'm going to start a series next week, but we'll see. Uh, you will see when you come back. And you know, as always, we'll see you guys next week. Thanks. Okay, well, if you enjoyed that, I want to invite you to check out my website, jesusrant.com. You can get my daily rants on there. You can uh, get the my books that are written on there. They're also on Amazon. I have an author's page on Amazon. Um, I've written a lot of books. I'm pretty proud of them. You can order them. I try to keep them cheap because I don't like to pay a lot of money for books, and I don't think people should have to pay a lot of money for mine. So check that out. Um, if you want to support the podcast itself, you can find it on anchor.fm. If you just search for Jesus Rant, um, you can support it monetarily. You can support it by... Uh, liking it, sharing it, subscribing to it, and you can, you can support it, excuse me, by word of mouth, by telling people about it, uh, helping other people listen, find it and listen to it. And uh, thank you once again, as always, for spending your time to listen to it, to, uh, to help me to get the word out, which, you know, as we know by now is, is my heart, is just getting this word out, Word Without Walls Ministry. Um, so, just thank you for your support. I love you, and there's nothing you can do about it. Amen.